With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Sal Abenanti, and I'm here on Kickstarter to ask for your support to produce my 115-page color graphic novel, The Hostage. Hostage is set in the streets of Rio de Janeiro based on the flight of the street children that live in the favelas. In the world of the graphic novel, being murdered daily and the hostages, the evil spirit that is raised to avenge their death. Origins go all the way back to the indigenous tribes of the Amazon as the, the spirits that protect children, especially murder children. The level of death that these kids have to endure every day. They have nowhere to sleep. They have no place to eat. They have, they have to survive off of begging. There were nobody in capes that were coming to save these kids. Check out The Hostage, a combination of supernatural action and realism set in the streets of Brazil. Now, a Kickstarter campaign. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Shelly Bond is back. Her heavy rotation compendium is wrapping up its Kickstarter campaign. We wanted to do another round of 80s music trivia, and uh, we've got uh, Glenn Roucher and Barbara Baker back to uh, talk about uh, the book and their own college radio experiences in the 1980s and play a round uh, or two of uh, 80s uh, new wave trivia. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think you'll enjoy it. And I'm always happy to welcome Shelley back, the great Vertigo and IDW and Black Crown editor, and of late off-register, hers and Philip Bond's uh, publishing imprint that uh, has been uh, managing their Kickstarters, Insider Art, Inc., and now Heavy Rotation, the tribute to 80s college radio. So it's a fun conversation with Shelley, Glenn, and Barbara talking about 80s college radio on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners and their patronage through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. I hope you consider subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. I'm doing my best to present some incredible uh, conversations with uh, creators of pop culture, whether it's from comics or television or film. I do my best to give you uh, the best coverage and in-depth interviews here at Word Balloon every month. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners, via patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners and their patronage through Patreon, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. I hope you consider subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. I'm doing my best to present some incredible uh, conversations with uh, creators of pop culture, whether it's from comics or television or film. 
I do my best to give you uh, the best coverage and in-depth interviews here at Word Balloon every month. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners, via patreon.com slash wordballoon. Word Balloon is brought to you by Aftershock Comics, a proud sponsor of Word Balloon for a few years now. Love talking to the creators from Aftershock Comics because they are bending genres with exciting stories, great art, and fantastic writing. Definitely books that you won't want to miss. Things like Artemis and the Assassin from my buddy Stephanie Phillips and Megan Hetrick. Fantastic time travel story, great adventure, unbelievable stuff with a slant on history. You can also get Cullen Bunn's horror anthology, All My Little Demons, a fantastic omnibus that features the Brothers Dracul, Dark Ark, After the Flood, Knight's Temporal, Unholy Grave, the Witchhammer original graphic novel, and two stories from the Shock Anthologies. Great stuff from Cullen Bunn. And coming at the end of February, it's Disaster Incorporated, the complete series from Joe Harris and Sebastian Perez. Really great stuff from Aftershock, all worthy of your attention. Do me a favor, go to their website. You'll find full story descriptions, preview pages of art, and the diamond codes on how to order these books through your local shop at AftershockComics.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time again for Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. We got a mystery guest. Or no, she's voguing. I guess she's voguing. We're uh, talking today about uh, uh, Shelley Bond's uh, compendium that she has put together, saluting uh, the great years of uh, college radio of the 1980s. It's called Heavy Rotation, and I'm scrolling to find the damn picture. I guess I'm going to have to put it up uh, while we're talking. <laughs> but, uh, Shell, good to see you. You too. Thank you again Thank for you. having me. I feel like I've been on like the heavy rotation circuit of the Word Balloon podcast. Well, there's only a couple days left, and we want to <laughs> let people know about it and uh, get them involved. And we've got two contributors to uh, the heavy rotation compendium, uh, two uh, former uh, DJ alums of Shells. We've got uh, returning champion, Barbara Baker. Good to see you, Barbara. Hey. Absolutely. And uh, Glenn Roucher, everybody. Good to see you, Glenn. Thank you. It's really good to be here. And it's it's good to be with with my friends and and have a a little fun today. So it was Ithaca College in New York, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. And I went to Illinois State and I was doing college radio at Illinois State, but I was also in high school radio. We had a 10 watt station and that kind of got my feet wet in terms of like the college radio format and kind of learning a lot of stuff. And so... Uh, Glenn, were you a DJ? Did you were you ever a director, program director, music director, anything like that? Yes, to all of those questions. Um, yeah, I I, um, I I think I was the the first freshman approved my freshman year, and um, I, I was a DJ for my very first year, and then I became the alt- alternate program director, which was jazz. That's all alternate meant. You didn't control anything else. Um, The amount I knew about jazz uh, could pretty much fit in a very, very small shot glass at that point. Um, And then I became music director. And then for the last year and a half, I was program director. And uh, at, at gunpoint, I couldn't quite tell you exactly what the job responsibilities were because we had so many creative and smart and opinionated people that program director was basically just making sure there was someone to cover every ship because everyone was really, really good and knew what they were talking about. So it was, it was a pretty easy gig. And the thing I loved most was being on the air. 
That's awesome. And yeah, I know now I, and Barbara and uh, Shell, I know we're DJs. Were you guys ever directors? Nah, I didn't direct no. anything. I just wanted no. to like take over the mixing board and just play the music that I wanted to hear and dance to. No, I understand. I, uh, you know, and we talked about this before uh, a couple times, a couple different times, but um yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I know that excitement of like curating a radio show and putting the music together. It was really, really cool, and it was like that perfect time of of our lives where I think our taste and everything. We really got to kind of like, hey, this is what I'm all about, you know, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a slightly pretentious way, but you know, hey, man, it was fine. They they had the oh, I, mean, I the, was. I wasn't slightly pretentious. I was very pretentious. And I think I've gotten more pretentious with age. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, cheer, I applaud you for that. And I, I actually admit to being even more immature now than I think I was <laughs> when I was in college. But I must say, John, would you agree that curating a comic book, especially an anthology, is not unlike putting together the most magnificent radio shift of your life. You know, it's, it's a balance of like popular tracks or popular artists and newcomers who need a break or who deserve to be in the company of other pretentious and powerful people. So <laughs> the two really go hand in hand. So I agree. Thank, you, thank you again for bringing us on. And this is going to be our final Word Balloon podcast for the run of Heavy Rotation. And it's going to be the ultimate showdown because it must be said, Glenn and Barbara were friends for many, many years in college. They're friends now, and this could ruin everything. <laughs> not, a, not a chance. Not a chance. When you, you, yeah, you, not a chance. You, 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 find, you find good people and you don't let dumb shit break it up. <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about music. Glenn, we're talking about music here. Right. I mean, what if somebody came into your apartment and stole your Marillion albums? Misplaced <laughs> childhood. What if see. somebody took the one that's in the background and smashed it? The autographed one? Yeah. <gasps> um, if, if they, if so, they got past the doorman, they made it up to the elevator, they found my apartment, and were so desperate to smash a Marillion record, I would probably just be like, I'm glad they didn't stab me in the neck. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I'm actually going to be, be having to go. I have to go to my eye doctor because the reason I'm wearing glasses is because I'm pretentious, but I also have an eye infection. <laughs> so if I have to leave halfway through the show, I'm going to the doctor, wink, wink, meaning I'm going to hitchhike to New York City. And I'm going to find <laughs> one. And that really out. Possibly if Barbara wins. All right. Okay. Maybe. And I'll, All right. I'll, you can be a, a refugee in Philadelphia. There you, we'll, go. you know. There's very, very few people who, whose musical knowledge and taste I respect more than Barbara's. So I kind of look at it as like Lakers, Celtics, 49ers, Cowboys. What's know. he talking about? I know. Right? Um, <laughs> backgammon. Backgammon. Ali Frazier, Bobby Fischer, Borsman. There you go. Navratilova, Graf. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's All like right. wh whoever walks into the winner's circle will have earned it. Wait a minute. You have to understand, Glenn, the minute you mention sports, all of a sudden John put on his baseball hat and he's <laughs> <laughs> is 
I want the that. Music and sports authority. And now you just already started out of the gate. Negative one. Don't. Sorry, Glenn. Don't. Negative one for Glenn. Don't worry. I don't, I don't see that. That's, that's not more like a high. So like have 3.14 already. Excellent. Exactly. No, no. We uh, now I have a couple multiple choice, but most of them are fill in the blank questions. Right. Um, but I think uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. We'll go uh, first first one to five because sure. I've only got so many questions. But I think that might work. And I will ask each of you individually a question, but the other person will have a chance to steal if they know. And so, what about- if, so, so if I guess wrong, Barbara gets to guess right. Right. Or do, and also I will allow it. We talked about this, uh, setting this up, uh, as far as phoning a friend or going to the audience for an answer, I will give, uh, given that we're only going to five, I will give each of you one lifeline, but I do want the, the viewers to, to play along. And should you get the answer right, I will definitely post them up here as well. So feel yep. free to play along. I already saw our friend Dina pop in, so she's a font of knowledge. Hey, Dina. So, mm-hmm. hey, Dina. Uh, hey, there she is. Yep, very good. And, and whoever uh, plays childhood is perfection. Yes, yes, sir, you are correct. Indeed, a Gordy, Gordy Adams. Good to see you, Gordy. Excellent, yep. from from Canada. Good man. Great look, too. Absolutely, yes, his, uh, his hat. Very Absolutely. good. Look at that. Excellent. Stephen Commander dad, is here as well. My dad might try to join in although he's a he's a fountain of knowledge about big band music and that's mm. it yeah so i'm I sorry i don't have any big band questions <laughs> I, I don't have any uh, big band questions dad, don't your, dad, your, your dad and i can dig on preservation jazz band i could uh, pull out the trivial pursuit rpm version <laughs> from the 80s which does have big band questions in it sure but Next that's all right time. no 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 so, oh, Heather is also here. Very nice to see you, Heather. Yay. Yay. Heather. Very cool. Nice. Look at this. All right, excellent. Well, I'm ready if you guys are. Um, I will uh, I, I will start, and uh, Barbara, you get the first question. All right. Glad gets a chance to steal. The Flying Lizards remade this 1959 hit, which was Money. also covered. Correct. Very good. You didn't name the rest of it. Very good. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> Very good. We're on the board. That's all right. Glenn? Yes, sir. This Scottish band had a hit with the song Fields of Fire. Big Country. Big Country is correct. And we have a tie game. One for Glenn. Nice going. All right. Now I have individual Peter Gabriel songs. Within one year, either before or after, I would like you to tell me the year of its release. Barbara Salisbury Hill. 1980. I'm sorry, incorrect. 1977. Oh, I'm sorry. You've got to give me a chance to steal. I'm sorry about that. John, what are you doing here? I'm already breaking my own rules. That's what happens. Peter Gabriel is so in my sweet spot, John. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, then uh, let's see how you do on the song Biko. Uh, Biko was on the what was called Peter Gabriel, but it was Peter Gabriel 3, which came out in 1980. That is correct. Damn. Two for right. one. Bar- yep. Barbara? Mm-hmm. Sledgehammer. What year was Sledgehammer? Wow, she does have more than one number. 1986. Good. good enough. It was 1985, but very good. So you, it is a tie game. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, it is two to two in this best of five uh, game. 
Uh, all of these songs uh, reference, or pardon me, yeah, uh, all these songs reference the country China. I would like you to name the artist or the band. And that's me, correct? It is your turn, Glenn. Uh, Walking on the Chinese Wall. Ooh. Don't know that one. Barbara, chance to steal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Phone a friend. You could phone a friend. If somebody in the audience knows uh, Walking on the Chinese Wall, a 1980s hit, hmm. a solo hit for a man that was also part of a very popular uh, band from the 70s and 80s. That's all I'll say. Give you guys a second. I'll get five, four, three, two, one. Uh, Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire. It oh. was, it was uh, the title track from uh, his album that also had a duet the, with the, Phil, Collins. Phil Collins. Hit oh, is it the Easy Lover song? Easy yeah. Lover, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, well, I knew that. We should have the point for that. <laughs> All right, next, next song, a little, a little harder. Uh, seven uh, Chinese Brothers. R.E.M. R.E.M. is correct, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara's in Very good. Yes, indeed. We can make the rest uh, toss-ups if we want. Uh, I mean, the, like, as opposed to whoever answers first can get the point. I, I, uh, but uh, but I'll give you yeah, one more. I get my second round. Uh, I will give you one more straight, straight question, uh, and that is the song Like China. I can hear it. Glenn is channeling some greater force. Yeah, you know what? Get me Heather Goldberg. Ooh. Oh, Heather, uh, do you know the name? Do you know uh, who uh, who sang uh, Like China? We will wait for your response. And uh, anyone else in the uh, in the peanut gallery watching right now can also respond. Well, yeah, I, I, okay. So if it's not Heather, then I don't get the point. But... Oh no no, that, oh, no, 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 I, I think the, the the audience, you know, the audience can do it and everything. Oh, look, my buddy uh, Dave Marin, another another uh, college uh, radio alum, uh, or, and uh, really high school radio as well, Nutria High School, WNT. Hey, I, I, I know the answer. Do you? Mm-hmm. She just Googled Should I say it? And Heather, unfortunately, doesn't know the answer. She's sorry. But yeah, Barbara, Barbara you can you can do it. Phil Collins. Phil Collins is correct. Whoa, Barbara. How do I not get a Phil Collins? I have a. I had a friend who had that album in high school. Now, and Glenn, I will get. Well, actually, it's four to two, so this is going to be tough. But we'll see what happens here. Uh, We'll make them toss up. Well, we're making them toss up. So sure. uh, These hits featured the names of countries, cities or people that were deemed enemies of the United States in the 1980s. Ooh, how pleasant. Indeed. <laughs> so uh, so I will uh, I will name the song and uh, you guys can name the uh, the artist. Berlin. Lou Reed. Lou Reed is correct. Again, we're at toss-up rounds now. It is now 3 to 4. Russians. Sting. Sting is correct. We have a tie game. Next answer is going to win it. Sandinistas. Clash. Good clash. Uh, I'm sorry, Glenn. Glenn oh. beat you to it, man. So Glenn is correct. Wait. Okay, it, hold on. It does. It was Sandinista, correct? Oh, excuse me. 
Just checking. No, no, no. Well, I'll take that, but it was that is what I was talking about. So regardless. I just wanted to be sure and to be fair for the two contestants. Because <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone would have been able to release a song just called Sandinista or you know another one with the with the S on. Right. Yeah. It would so. have like, been like oh, you must have listened to the Clash. I was waiting for you to say, John, living through another Cuba. Very nice. Yeah. See, there you go. That's even very good. Very good. Wow. Barbara, Barbara would have snapped that up before you got through lit. Man. Yeah. I got a knot in my stomach from all this. <laughs> hey, that's why you need, where are you, what's your bourbon? Yeah, oh, there you go. Send John the bill. It's okay. He's going to cover go. all, the, the, all the expenses, including my eye doctor. So no worries, Glenn. And, when, and it's funny, when you said Berlin, I don't know if Barbara, your brain did this too. The first thing I thought of? The band Berlin. Yeah. And, oh, then, yeah. My, and then my brain had to go, no, yeah. no, no, not a band. <laughs> and, I thought, and at first I was looking for maybe a Bowie album thing. But, yeah, and uh, I was thinking, yeah, the whole but, thing. Yeah, probably. and I thought about the using the band Berlin, but I'm like, nah, you know. Um, I do have two others that we can uh, do in the next round. But before we get to the next round, I wanted to ask some like weird things that I remember from uh, college radio years <laughs> with, uh, you know, mu musically and everything. First of all, I'm sure you guys got them too. Wasn't it great every fall uh, the record companies would give out those cassette sam music samplers? That uh, Did you guys get that stuff? We got them all the time. We, we got we got some. It's funny because, I mean, maybe, Barbara, you might rec remember this. Mm -hmm. I, I remember that us getting records from record companies for whatever reason was like pulling teeth. Like we had relationships with, even though we were a, a pretty powerful station in the, in the area, it was not easy for us to say, to get like significant, we, ha we, we had to work to get records. That's my <laughs> recollection. <laughs> I saw Tony's comment. <laughs> oh, is that one of your guys? It's not Clash. <laughs> it's not Clash, it's right? It's not Clash. <laughs> I told him about the whole thing with uh, Clash, a Clash. certain someone at the radio station who would, who said, it's not the Bangles, it's Bangles. And you Do you remember that? that? It's that the Bangles. It is the Bangles. Yeah, I call well, it. But you know, the, it is your rhythmics. But it's yes. the Bengals, and yes. and it's and it's Eagles, not the Eagles. Although people <laughs> say the Eagles all the time, yeah. And there was that that's great the football team. The Eagles. That's true. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, like their music I knew that. Well, also, uh, girl, they did a great on on um, <laughs> American Masters. They did this great uh, documentary about the Troubadour on the West mm -hmm. Coast, mm -hmm. and all the different people who played it, and. Um, Glenn Fry and uh, Don Henley were originally part of Linda Ronstadt's band. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then they, they formed Eagles. And it's great because they've got Steve Martin, who was playing his banjo and doing stand-up back then at the Troubadour. And it's like, we're breaking away from Linda. And it's like, oh, what, what's the name of your band? And they're like, Eagles. And he's like, oh, the Eagles. And he's like, no, Eagles. And he's like, yeah, the Eagles. And it's like, no, Eagles. Like Henley's telling He's like, okay, Eagles, fine. You know, like, like, back off, take it easy. But yeah, that is, you know, I, I never knew that. I always said the Eagles and stuff. But if you really look at the albums, it is Eagles Greatest Hits, Eagles. Mm. Yeah, now that you mention it, yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, so, all right, moving. Uh, let's. Oh, I was going to ask you guys, and along with the um, with the sampler uh, disc. And I remember, like, that's the first time I heard 99 Luft Balloons played by mm -hmm. Nina. Very good. Nina. Excellent. Nina. Excellent. 
Yes, yes, yes. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and I prefer, and I prefer the German one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and I also was going to, uh, you, well, I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll, put, I'll, I'll do another uh, question using other uh, bands and, uh, and weird names of songs and stuff, One Hit Wonders. But did you guys get um, ever from, and again, you're telling me that you didn't get great uh, record service from the labels. You guys had CMJ, right? The College Music Journal? Yeah. CMJ and, and Gavin. Sure. And the Gavin Report. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, who what was the, what was the company that ran the new music seminar? Oh, uh, not true. Sort of, no, there was an associated publication. I can't remember what it was though. Oh wow, because we Express was that it. No, you know what I mean, no, no, Heather, no. it was it was I American. Guess, yeah, maybe, Heather maybe, would know. Actually, maybe I'm remembering that at new music seminar. Gavin and CMJ were represented, but I have a. Because I was going to say, I thought CMJ might run one. Uh, in Chicago, we had one um, with uh, our Loyola uh, University. Pardon me, our Loyola University had uh, a radio seminar that I started going to in high school, and then subsequently went to in college and got our station into that. You know, and I was really having the experience of my high school station. Um, we did we subscribed to CMJ because we had Northwestern University in our shadow, and they were like our mentors, and they were great to us being college kids talking to high school kids. And it's like, this is what you need. This is what the labels want from you. They don't need you to play Bruce Springsteen. They need you to play the swimming pool cues and, you know, mm -hmm. the truth and all these other, you know, bands of that era and stuff. And it's like, Oh, okay. So um, we learned that in high school, got good record service. And then also we had a great record store that would give us British imports all the time. To play. Yeah, the, the, the record stores, uh, both here in New York, I mean, New York is, of course, you know, the records, they're lousy with record stores back in the early 80s. But the fact that that Ithaca had a couple of record stores that had good product, you know, at first it was mm -hmm. just just Rebop, and I have some strong opinions about Rebop records, but um, there was a store that there was a store that opened, I think, in 85 called Chelsea Records. And was owned by a guy who uh, ran Desert Shore Records up in Syracuse, mm -hmm. which was one of the first great independent record stores uh, in, in in the Finger Lakes. And Charlie Robbins wanted to open a store in Ithaca, came down and found a spot, a first a spot on, I think, College Avenue ran this way. And I'm trying to remember the road that ran up to College Avenue, but it was right next to the Greek Diner. And he his specialty was... European and UK imports and having a record store that could introduce American kids to stuff we just didn't didn't mm -hmm. get here didn't yep. hear here was just amazing I, I mean yeah. it, it's you know you, you can get Bruce Springsteen and no knock against Springsteen I, I'm a Springsteen not. fan but you can get him anywhere you can get him in a non-record store mm -hmm. but to get to get the kind of stuff that I think we were all listening to you know everything sort of had to fall into place. You think about people who live in places where there just wasn't any record stores at all. And, you, and you, they can't be criticized for not liking what Absolutely. we consider good music because it's just Absolutely. not accessible to you. you know? Agreed. Agreed. Dovetails right into how important college radio stations were for so many of those oh, yeah. the mm. alternative artists. I mean, Barbara could talk for days about game theory and other bands. Oh, I'm wearing my game theory. I'm wearing the necklace that you got me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Lolita Nation. Lolita Nation. 
And I'm also wow. wearing my Lolita Nation t-shirt. Wow. Like a total nice. fangirl. Outstanding. Very cool. <laughs> Just very, very cool. A bit of, a, of, of an aside about heavy rotation. In addition to having about a dozen of former ICB DJs write prose stories and essays and give us remembrances to to put with single illustrations or to turn into comic book stories. I also wanted to make sure the anthology is balanced because that's curation, as we all know. So I invited a few other people from the other side to get a different point of view. So we have um, other college DJs that who, who didn't go to Ithaca College in the 80s. We have someone who's going to be interviewing the alarm, fingers crossed. Wow. We have the Cud Band. I have a couple of friends in the Cud Band. Outstanding. And one of them is Will Potter, who is a bassist and a comic book writer and a cartoonist <coughs> as well. So he is actually going to share his tale of woe. Because back in 89, when the Cud Band was told by their record company that they could go to the States and do a very quick but important college radio circuit, no one told them what that meant. So sometimes they didn't even Ugh. show up at the station. Sometimes they just like fucked off and like went record shopping or they were drunk. And I can't wait to see how he puts this in writing because in some ways that broke their chance. Like that just destroyed sure. their chance to yep. break America. They were sure. part of the group of bands that were called Lion Pop that <laughs> were the precursors to Britpop. And so, you know, he's got such a story to share. And while we're here, it must be said that we've extended the offer to have John write a short essay about his experience at the radio station. And it may or may not include a run-in with Brian Ferry. Yeah, I, I almost thought <laughs> to, to contrast some of the other stories, I would do like living the dream because I, you know, as I'm sure all of us know people, and we just had a whole big Zoom class reunion uh, last summer of all my college radio buddies and stuff. And we literally had like 15 people on the call. And so many of them were, well, yeah, I tried pro radio for a couple of years. And, you know, that pays nothing. So then I got a real job. And, you know, <laughs> and that and like it got down to me and I'm like. Yeah, actually, I stayed in radio for 30 years. I'm like, you know, I, uh, I managed to break into Chicago radio. And, um, and really, as, as Shell likes to hear, I, uh, I spent 10 years at both a sports station. She doesn't care about that part. But, uh, I, but our, our, our sister station was WXRT, which is a really big rock station here in Chicago. It was the big alternative station. And as I was described before, it was like living in a monkey's episode because – I mean, literally Elvis Costello and um, Boss Skaggs and uh, Sean Colvin and uh, oh god, now I'm blanking on. It's like, hey kids, look who's here to die. Exactly, (laughs) literally. That's and literally that's that's exactly how I frame it. It's Michael Stott out of REM. Exactly, literally, yes. So and like the two the two amazing moments were Robbie Robertson came on his um, and it was a couple. It was in the '90s, so it was after that. Solo album was somewhere down the crazy mm-hmm. river, but he was looking at the liner notes of the, of the CD. 80, it, was, it was 87. And a boy, very good. And uh, all of a sudden he's like, you got a pen? Hmm. And the DJ is like, yeah, sure. No problem. And he, and he starts writing in the, the jacket of the CD on this one song. 
And he goes, incorrect. Actually, the lead guitarist on this song was, and I don't remember, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I should know I was there, Robbie Roberts. <laughs> so he wrote that in there. Right. So it so just great. And then, you know, of course, Shelly knows the, the Saturday night, I'll, I'll do the condensed version. The Saturday night that I answered the door, I was producing on the sports side. And it was like six or seven o'clock at night. And I opened the door and it's um, it's Brian Thumbs Fair. And, uh, yeah. And it literally just, hello, it was Terry there. And meaning Terry Hammered, our morning DJ that is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm. Great, great woman. Tremendous lady. <clears throat> um, I worked with her for years after even uh, working at XRT. And uh, she's like running to the door. I got this, John. I got this. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. Like, you know, the 80s Cary Grant just walked in the door of course she did no problem I'm like I get it but he was couldn't have been nicer Fogarty came to the station Tina Turner it was it, like you said it was like I said it was like living in a monkeys episode Yeah. but yeah it's like you know it was crazy but a lot of fun so yeah I figured like you know again that was just and it was the first 10 years of my radio career and honestly, I could say after 30 years, really the best because I didn't know how good I had it because really like we were on the the um, comp list for any stage. We could pretty much get to get into any, you know, concert and everything. It's, oh, you're from XRT. Hey, right. No problem. There you go. Right. So, yeah, saw a lot of great shows. Saw Paul Weller a million times. Uh, you know, oh, so. pardon. Did somebody say Paul Weller? I knew. I, that's why I said it. You need. Yes. I, you knew I was on my phone. I was actually answering an email while you were talking, and then I heard are you, Paul Weller. Are you really like in a rush to go to the doctor? I don't want to mess you up. I was totally joking. I, okay, I, fine. <laughs> well, because you did injure your eye. John is a John is a man who cares. You can't throw that out there and not have him take it. I, you know? I have to say, I was answering Heather. She told me that my audio is really low. I don't think that matters because I don't want to take over the show again. I've done well, that. Every 10 times I've been on your show. So she said my audio is low. So I just wanted your tech guy to maybe take a look at that. Yeah, Iggy, will you fix that for her, please? I, I, you got to get closer, I guess, to the microphone, buddy. Because, uh, really but, but I will tell you for the audio, I do normalize and balance everything to, to sound as good as it can. So yeah. I guess I won't be but, singing tonight. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to. Either. Another product that we would get uh, for radio, and honestly, I've been on. I was starting to tell you guys off the air, but I'm like, oh, I'll save it for the air. Um, we used to get these open interview records from the labels, where literally it would be like uh, the artist answering questions, and they would send you the script. Right. Yep. Yep. And I, I mean, we got them for. Uh, I wish I had hung on to these because I did end up like snagging them well after they were no longer, you know, relevant, but I had one for no jacket required with Phil Collins. Yeah. And I had one for Graceland with Paul Simon. Those are the ones that I remember. And I was just hunting around on eBay for any <laughs> weird ones. And I found a Tom Jones one from 1970 <laughs> that I bought that I cannot <laughs> wait to get. And I'm going to, I'm going to put them up. I'm going to put them up as uh, videos and stuff. Why not? Cause they, you know, I mean, but yeah, Tom Jones, a Pat Paulson one from 1968. Remember him from the Smothers Brothers? Pat Paulson was the guy who ran for president many, yep. many, 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 many times. Exactly. Exactly. I knew, so, I knew you'd come out of politics eventually. You see, yeah, well, that's why I mentioned it. Um, <laughs> also, a Sammy Davis one that I'm looking forward to. Hey, man. And uh, 
the R&B uh, guy who was in the impressions with Curtis Mayfield, Jerry Butler, was oh, a wow. big Chicago icon. He was the Iceman. Hmm. So that's funny. Oh, now you, you just sent me something, Glenn. I don't know what you sent me. Did I? Or maybe these are rep, rep, uh, from earlier. Flowers says, earlier. Yeah, it probably was. It says Deets and Ferry. I bet the response is to Shelly. Yep. All right, there you go. Sorry, they were just popping up in my album. I'm like, what are you guys saying? All right, fair enough. I'm, I'm right here. Just talk to I me. There were virtual roses. I thought he was trying yeah. to, to cheat, and maybe he was trying to charm you into giving That is you the second presents. time you've implied that I <laughs> Trying to, like, influence me? There's some subliminal stuff happening here, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with it. No, listen, um, I think I'm, I'm actually just projecting my own klepto tendencies onto <laughs> Did you guys ever get, um, like, weird live albums that were radio only? And they were, like, like a half-hour band performance of whatever? I wish I could remember specific bands. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, the like King Biscuit Flower Hour. Sure. Band. Did you guys play that show? We didn't, because usually we, it was it was not artists that WICB played. Okay. And, you know, I mean, most most of the – there wasn't really a lot of what I would call sort of special off-record content from the bands that we, we played. Um, we pretty much played their records. Sure. And there's so much. I mean, you know, we, we, when we were all doing our – our heavy heavy rotation playlist this week. It was it was hell. It was hell trying to narrow down artists to play. And I and I think it was um, was it Heather who came up with the ones we we none of us included. Yeah. And some of them were like, how could you not include you know Depeche Mode, Depeche Mode, right? Midnight yeah. Oil. I know you don't like Midnight Oil, but like yeah. major major artists from that time who had records that we played that <laughs> they are. Is yeah, Kaja Gugu making only, a comeback? Making a comeback, but only as a trivia question in the next part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can add yeah, that to it. And then they're done list. in 2038. <laughs> I am adding uh, a song. I remember seeing see them on Bands Reunited. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was like 20 years ago. Oh yeah, that was 90s, absolutely. I mean, or yeah. early 2000s, yeah. It's 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 funny, you know, it's I think we're talking about earlier on we were talking about uh pretension and and being opinionated about your music. It's like when we were like when we were at the radio station, like discussions about music felt like life or death. And, you know, where you would be, like, appalled if somebody liked slash didn't like something that mattered to you, whether to despise or to delight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one thing that as, as, I, as I've gotten older, I definitely have definitely have loosened up on that because I realized that, you know, people like what they like. And I'm not going to judge people up to, up to a point. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, the qualifier. Yeah, the qualifier is if if someone likes you know white power metal, I'm kind of like no, I'm not really very good. And right. I'm going to go now, you know. So, I, I, I kind of feel like, hey man, if you like if you like nothing but like top forty pop, if that if that gets you off, cool, like it. It's not preventing me from listening to anything that I like, so. You know, go with God. Well, Barbara <laughs> aged. I wanted to say that for the tape, you you said you might have aged and you've mellowed with age, but Barbara hasn't aged 
at all. At all. Not a, not a minute. No. The real Barbara is uh, in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Dorian Baker. Are you a clone? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What the hell, man? That's good. Yeah. I'm vinyl, made out of vinyl from used <laughs> records. Yeah. I have good. What's that? I didn't think she could get any cooler, but there you go. <laughs> Very nice. Excellent. Ecologically conscious, too. A couple of comments from the uh, people. Uh, Steve Commander wants to know, did we ever air the Westwood One radio shows? Um, we, I did it XRT, and it's funny you mentioned the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Our station XRT had had that show. We also had one, we and we had the Westwood One concert show. We customized it and made it our, uh, I forget what it was called. It was on Saturday nights because we would mix in live XRT shows that we had sound engineers, um, mm. you know, uh, uh, record for us. And I mean, my God, and to the point where XRT has for the last 20 years been releasing live from the archive uh, CDs to raise, mm. to raise charity money. And oh my God, yeah, this, I mean, literally like a Bob Marley 81 performance. I remember mm. we were digitizing and transferring stuff from reel to reel to, uh, to uh, digital and um, I forget what concert it was, but somebody like had spilled like soda on it on the reel to reel, and we had to preserve it. And I mean, no one had touched it for the longest time, so we tried to digitize it. And as we were playing the tape, songs would flake off. Yeah, pieces of the of the oh. tape would flake off. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even know how how well they were able to like what they could get from that tape, but they tried. So yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, back back when when I was at ICB, I it's too long a story for this show, but but it, 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 I, I wound up working with Frank Zappa on the PMRC thing, and I did um, I did petitions, and we did we did we got uh, signatures sent to Congress, and. <laughs> As part of that, he I asked him if I could interview him. And so one night during my shift, I hooked up the longest wire ever to the reel to reel and went into the hallway because it was like a over, it was like a 10 to 2 shift because he was in California. And so the only time he could talk was like eight o'clock his time. So I, I think I switched a shift with someone and would or or I or someone else was on the air and I was out in the hallway, whatever the case might be. And, I, and he said he could give me 10 minutes. And I spoke to him for probably close to an hour and a half because once Frank started, he didn't stop. That's awesome. And that reel-to-reel was up in my parents' attic. And I never I never transferred it. Oh. And that's just, I remember that conversation. It was, and it's one of the big regrets in my life that I was too stupid to say to Mike Sauter, here, put <laughs> Preserve this uh, for me, and what? it's gone. Uh, On the sports side, I used to have a, and I still have it, a micro cassette recorder that I would take with me in the field and get yeah. like interviews and stuff. Yeah. And I covered boxing from 1989 to 2006 oh, wow. for uh, the sports station that I worked at and a couple of cable TV things locally here and there. And um, in 91, I went to a fight and I got to interview Muhammad Ali for five minutes. Wow. And he was great. And he was in, he, this was during his Parkinson's syndrome where mm. 
he would stammer, but his his mind was never like that. His mind was mm-hmm. still sharp. It was just his body didn't work. Right. So you know, I mean, it, you know, like like how poor Catherine Hepburn got as she got older and stuff. Right. Like that. Even right. worse. And um, it was great. It was right before when Evander Holyfield fought George Foreman, and he gave really good points and stuff. And to the life of me, now thirty years, thirty years later, cannot find that micro cassette, and it drives uh, me crazy. And the only reason why I still have is a, a micro recorder is hopes that I will dig it up at, at some point. Yeah. But yeah. So, but yeah, I uh, I was saying on uh, the previous show, uh, and you guys should say too. Any other um, uh, great music interviews that you had a chance to do back in the eighties or whatever? I got to uh, talk to Smokey Robinson and hmm. Lou Reed actually at Farm Aid, which was really amazing talking to Lou Reed. And Smokey was cool, too. And I also uh, talked to uh, Russell Hitchcock from Air Supply. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I worked at um, one of the professional stations in town, and we were an adult contemporary station, and we were a reporting station to Radio and Records, R&R. And, and, we would, and I, I know I told this story before. We had a real cracker uh, program director who thought we were playing Man in the Mirror too much. And I'm like, you realize this is this year's We Are the World in terms of being a message song. And he's like, I don't like it. It rocks out at the end. I'm like, yeah, sure it does. <laughs> Real hard. Sure it does. Um, so I didn't play it. And the guys from Epic Records are like, uh, we really need you to play this in heavy rotation. We will not. It can't be a number one song. You guys, you don't, just play in your heavy rotation. I'm like, you don't understand. I'll get fired if I play it. <laughs> Whoa. So that's like Man in the Mirror from being um, number one on R and R. I mean, Billboard was no problem, and but they just wanted it across the board that it was a number one hit, R and B, and and easy listening and mainstream. And yeah, we were we were we were among, I'm sure we weren't the only station. Barbara, but, you got you got to do a couple of honor, a good honor inter- interviews. I seem to recollect, didn't you? That wasn't me. I don't think I interviewed anybody. I hmm. know for a fact that um, Nat interviewed the drongos and he actually wrote a fantastic essay about it that's going to be in believe it or not heavy rotation the oh wonderful that's wonderful so that was cool and dina who is listening also interviewed natalie merchant oh that's great that's mm-hmm. cool yeah. do you do you, i mean you guys remember doug desher right mm-hmm. sure so uh, Doug and I, this, this talk about a, a, a night to remember, and, and John, this this folds in some sports, so you can tune out for two seconds when we get to okay. it. It was October 25th, 1986, and Suzanne Vega was playing Bailey Hall at Cornell. Cool. And through Columbia, Doug and I got the okay to talk to her for 10 minutes backstage. And people mistook Suzanne Vega for kind of being like a waif and like mm-hmm. a fragile singer-songwriter. Sure. And she it was as as self-described a tough fucking Puerto Rican kid from New York. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and like she was much, much tougher than than she came across, at least on her initial record. Certainly sure, before. Luca and all that so, solitude standing, so sure. Doug and I went backstage and, and his and her manager, who was a bit of an ass, was like, You got 10 minutes. I'm like, all right. So Doug and I set up and at like Nine and, and like instantly, I still have the cassette, thank goodness. He and I were like, he and I and she were just talking. It was a really good conversation about the new record and and touring and a show I'd seen her in New York. And about nine minutes and 59 seconds in, the manager comes in through the door and says, all right, 
times. And before he could say anything, she turned to him and went, we're talking. <laughs> That's awesome. That's and I will great. love her forever. Absolutely. <laughs> so she played that night and saw the show with my then girlfriend. And then afterwards, we went to the Ithaca International Airport restaurant. Oh, man, I love that place. And we, and we got there about, oh, you got to get buffalo wings. And we got there probably around 1030 in time to see the last five innings of game six of the 1986 World Series, the Buckner game. Absolutely. That yeah, was, that's that in Red Sox. That Absolutely. was a hell of a night. Well, that's Barbara, Barbara, right? So the, the uh, <laughs> that's baseball history, absolutely. Other than that, the Ithaca International Airport restaurant. One of Shelley and I, our roommates, worked there our yeah. senior year, and we had a lot of fun there. Yeah. But that was back in the days that you would drink uh, a lot of stuff that came out of a blender with a lot of I was, chocolate and sugar. And I was going to say, were you like working at George yeah. Julius or Cinnabon? Where yeah, the hell you guys were like, working? Yeah, it was like uh, you know putting a Cinnabon in a blender with some some rum and and, yeah. vodka, oh. and it was yeah, it was the greatest oh. thing. Well, they say <laughs> oh, so did they sell booze or like you guys had your own booze and you'd slip it in or whatever? Oh no no no, they had you know all those frozen drinks. Sure, that were sure. you know like all this, you know like like the way Chi Chi's had those really fruity weird things with you know they were daiquiris and pina coladas and it was it was like that but even more exotic very cool like mudslides my uh my college college girlfriend i had a lot of respect for because she was uh getting her teaching degree and uh would teach deaf was able to like sign and teach deaf kids and it just my heart i mean she'd come back with Mm -hmm. like the saddest stories of these poor kids that had trouble connecting with their families and stuff Mm because this is Central Illinois, a lot of farm country, and some of them just didn't know how to handle it. It just it would break my heart. But then she would also she worked at one of the malls, and she she worked at like it was like a nut roasted nuts and like peanut brittle and stuff. And she would come <laughs> she would come back from her shift reeking of peanut brittle, uh, reeking of peanut, and it would just crack uh, me up. And God. you know, it's like I never tired of it, but it would just crack. It's just like yeah, bear. It's just like sorry. I'm like that's okay. It's funny. <laughs> it's just funny. So poor thing. I worked at Dairy Queen and worked on the grill, and it's the wow. most weight I ever lost outside of Weight Watchers because you reeked of fried meat, oh, hamburgers, oh, yeah. and stuff, and you wouldn't want to eat any meat after that because you did. You just, I mean, I, I was Lady Macbeth. I couldn't scrub enough to like get the statue. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Not I good. just worked on. Uh, I worked on something about uh, animal health recently and it was, uh, you know, getting into farming animals that we eat for dinner and I won't eat anything now unless it's processed and comes out of a bag. I don't want to eat any, you know, any animals at all. I understand. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank God all the, uh, all the fake meat is getting better. I love the fake meat. Yeah. Fake meat and Doritos. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of fake. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. the Hilarious. fakeer the better. Absolutely. So, should we move on to our uh, challenge round, or what do you want to do? Because I've got yeah, more questions. Do it. Oh yeah, let's do it. All right, good deal. Yeah, I just wanted to you know talk a little bit more about the the you know the vibe that was going on while we were all in college radio. So no, that was all good. So so what what are we doing now, John? Who's in this? What's happening? Where am I? Do we want to? Well, yeah, you're, yeah, it's, it's it's you it's you against Shell, but I'm happy again to open it up to all three of you. It's up to it's up to yeah. you. Yeah, 
Let's do it. Let's have a, let's have yep. BB back in the game. She does. All right. And again, uh, whoever will there'll be uh, jump ball questions. Whoever answers first will uh, get the point. So I am doing a little thing here, and once again, we will. I'll I'll go, I'll go till I'm out of questions. How about Roger that? Roger Goo Goo. The first the first category is uh, movie themes. And I will expect a, uh, an absolutely correct answer Hello. to the first question: Never-ending story. Who who uh, who sang "Never-ending story"? Lamal. Lamal is correct. Barbara is on the board. <laughs> Speaking of Kaja Gugu. Um, all right, I've got more, and I will uh, name the film, and you can either tell me the name of the hit song that played at the start or finish of the film, uh, and and we'll go from there. Uh, give my regard. Go ahead. Durand, Do you want to say something? No. Give my regards to Broad Street. Can you name the song that was a hit from that movie? Paul McCartney, and it was No More, no more Lonely Nights. No more nights. Yeah, but Barbara beat you to it, man. So Barbara's uh, got a commanding lead right now. But yes, very good, indeed. Wow. Uh, I know. Uh, all right, this is a tough one. Ruthless people. I will take either the artist or the song in this case. I know this one. Well, then answer. I know. Um, um, I can't. Oh, it's right here. I can't, yeah. I can't reach it. You know, um, it's some kind of like neutron dance song. That's hilarious. And I should have included neutron dance in this group, but I did not. Can you name the movie that neutron dance is from? Beverly Hills cop. Barbara. Correct. Man, Barbara, you're killing right now. Nice right? going, Barbara. But uh, back to, uh, back to back to modern, back to modern modern woman. Um, I will uh, or that shame on me. I just gave the name of the song. I'm gonna say modern people. woman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, who sang. You guys remember who sang modern woman from Ruthless People? I don't even. Know it was a hit, one. but it's a totally. It was not Kajagoo. It was a forgettable. Lamal. It was not Lamal. No, <laughs> Billy. Jo- is, Can you repeat? Question, please. Oh, sure. And I, 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 the film was Ruthless People. The okay. song was Modern Woman. Who sang it? Right. There's Billy Joel, but Billy Joel. That's yeah. correct. But no, I don't get any points back because you said it. I didn't. I, I no. I said <laughs> Modern Woman. And I Shelley said, says I don't cheat. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think I said Billy Joel. I said the name of the song, but I, uh, but I don't think I said the name of the I, the artist. If I knew Billy Joel was going to be mentioned, I would have had an eye infection today. I understand. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah. I want an eye. All right, Glenn. If you don't want to take the point, I, I'll, I'll respect no, I, that. I, I'm pretty sure I thought you said Billy Joel. I will not take the point. Okay, fair enough. Death, Again, death, I, you know, that's before honor or honor. I was. Death or I've been punched in the head too many times, death so I could easily forget. I think it was um, death story by. Clash. Clash. <laughs> London Calling. London Calling. From Paul, uh, Paul Simonon. From uh, from from Sixteen Candles. The Nice Price. Pretty in Pink. No, that would be from Pretty in Pink, of course. Uh, but no, if you can name either the title of the song or the band, and it's that uh, the end credits when uh, Molly Ringwald uh, and the guy Thompson Twins. Thompson Twins is great. Barbara, you are killing. The it's, song it's was the caffeine in the vinyl. The song. Uh, if you were here, I would deceive you. You have thought you even naming that hook. You did the title. If you were here, very good. <laughs> very good. All right, uh, boy. All right, let's see who's fast because this is an easy one. Breakfast Club. 
Don't totally you forget, forget about, about me, me by the simple mind by simple minds, not the simple minds. Simple minds. Simple <laughs> minds. Glenn, I'm still giving you a point on that one because you you guys were basically at the same time. Wait a second. I think that was one for Shelly because it was simple minds, which I already actually suggested around the time that Glenn said Kaja Gugu for the third time. Mm-hmm. So that's one for Shelly, right? I'm just gonna All name right. a bunch of bands and if you answer them. <laughs> All right, I got it. All right, this is a tough one. Um, Squeeze had a medley of their hits as a parody of an early 80s song, which was a disco medley of Beatles songs. Can you either name that hit or the Squeeze parody title? Damn. They're both similar. I just remember that Beatles medley of. uh, of uh, Beatle hits that were uh, set to a uh, disco, disco. Beat. disco beat, and it was a, they were covers. Yeah. They sounded they sounded like the Beatles, but they were not the Beatles. Let's phone a friend. Let's see if Dina Burns has any idea what you're talking about. Dina oh, my friend Burns. Sandy's watching. She'd be all over this and, uh, right now. It. Sandy, another Sandy's another eighties uh, and nineties uh, college radio person. Let, 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 let Sandy answer because we don't. Yeah, know. Sandy, do it. Help us, Sandy. Hit us, Sandy. Hit if you us. got it, Sandy, do it. I hope you're watching still on Periscope. Sometimes Periscope, they watch for a few seconds and then go away. But it's it's good. It's still good. It still counts. Ten seconds. Everything yep. counts. In large amounts. By the Depeche Mode. Dina is passing on this one. Giggle. It's 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 the Depeche Mode the. No, <laughs> the the song and the band, the original Beatles medley, uh, the title of the song was also the title of the band. The stars on forty five. Oh and, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, uh, was that and listen, you want to hear a secret like that whole? Yes, you know? exactly. Yes, and then and then then Squeeze did a parody of it and did all of Squeeze's songs to a disco beat, and it was called Squabs on Forty Fab. So it wasn't. By Depeche Mode or Depeche Mod. The Depeche Mode. The Depeche Mode. A Depeche Mod. But it was, was it the Style Council or was it just Style Council? It was TSC. Yeah, it was TSC. That's right. Of course it was. Um, All right. The the Depeche Mode. I have myself a jacket. Okay. I I have a TSC logo jacket. Nice. Okay. Here's a couple. one hit, one well, kind of one hit wondery uh, bands. Um, I will name the song. See if you can name the band. When love breaks down. Prefab Sprout. Prefab Sprout is correct. Barbara, you are <laughs> killing it. They were. That was. That's one of my favorite albums. Yeah, Appetite is beautiful. Off the yeah, there. the but whole Steve, Steve, album. Steve McQueen record is great. Yeah. Yep. True, true. Yeah, you're right I, about that. I, I, I reject the definition of them as a one-hit one. All right, I respect yeah. that. But I, but that I'm, is right. like that is sublime. All right, but they are that kind of like random. Are, they're like random bands. Yeah, yeah. That certainly, it's one of those bands that it's perfect pop music, and in a more open-minded time, they would have been huge. Yeah, they really were, agree. They were really a little agree. bit too smart and a little bit too British for America. Mm-hmm. How about uh, digging your scene? Blow monkeys. You are insane, Barbara. That's fantastic. <laughs> She's a machine. Wow. It's Barbara's world. The rest of us just live in it. Barbara's world. I just world. got your message, baby. <laughs> I love that song. 
Um, all right. Well, here's an easy one, but it'll be interesting to see how who's, who's fast. Life in a northern town. Hey, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, oh, wow. uh, not Icicle Works. No, um, no. Well, I can picture Treat in the Dream. Not Dream, Dream Academy. Academy. Dream Academy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You each get a half point for that. Very yeah. good. Barbara's half walking away with it. Article. Seven for Barbara. Very nice. Uh, here's one. The Pet Shop Boys did a duet or, you know, the band with uh, the 60s Siren. Was it Petula Clark? Lulu or Dusty Springfield? Dusty Springfield. Dusty. It was Dusty. I have a great dirty story about Petula Clark, but I won't share it. Downtown. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Very good, Barbara. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, very good. Hello, Petula. She's got eight. Who does? Barbara. Oh, just, just, for that, just for that clever bon mot she threw in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and Heather got Dream Academy. Very good. She very very good, and she says, "Well done, Barbara." Absolutely. High five. Nice Although that's ten. You're killing me, man. This is good. Uh, all right. What albums did these Joe Jackson songs come from? Oh. Is she really going out with him? I'm the man. I look sharp. I I look sharp is correct. Or no, it wasn't. It was. Uh, wait a minute, I gotta look that up. Hold on a second. Sharp. It's the first record. I, third. Yeah. I, I was forced to go to the Heart and Soul tour, the Joe Jackson tour, Philadelphia. My only friend in high school who liked music almost as much as me. He doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> the only other person who I could count on to like dig new music. It was the two of us against the suburban high school from hell. Mm -hmm. So Mike Boyer, if you're out there, I don't know why you don't talk to me anymore. I did not steal your records. I thought (laughs) you were a cool person. Um, I don't know what happened, but I went to see Joe Jackson for him. And the two of us also, our first concert was the Cars at the Spectrum. Awesome. Damn. That was like eleventh row from the stage. Hmm. <gasps> Talk about a great first show. We waited for tickets show. outside of the Ticketron at the Berkshire Mall. We waited from three in the morning until noon, and we were like the fourth in line. <clears throat> and that was such a great experience. See, kids today, like they don't oh, have God. those experiences, right? <laughs> oh, there was nothing like it. And they should get off your lawn too. Yeah, I get off the lawn. What was everybody's first concert? Oh, um, who? Come on. Donny Osmond? Was that Donny Osmond? <laughs> Billy Joel. Billy Joel? That's all right. Where do you hear mine? Mine was uh, Rush Moving Pictures Tour, 1980. Nice. Mine. Surprises absolutely no one. No, they shouldn't surprise anybody. No. Yeah. I had an older uh, stepbrother, and he was like five, seven years older, seven years older than me. And it was when he was a teenager, so I was like only like 11 or 12. And his date backed out on him, and he's like, come on, I don't want to eat the ticket. And I'm like, all right, fine. And it was um, Jethro Tull in 1978, yeah, and it was the yeah. Stormwatch tour. And then later that year, he had an extra ticket, and um, he worked at a music That's distributor true. called Sound Unlimited that would yeah. – uh, Service all the all the uh, record stores and stuff. Yep. It was great, yep. great gig. 
Stormwatch is uh, a good record. Yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. It was cool. And then that same year, I saw uh, Sticks for Cornerstone. That album. So those were my first two concerts. I didn't get cool concerts until college. College concerts saw UB40, saw Psychedelic Furs. Oh boy, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan. <clears throat> the Alarm saw, played wow, on nice. campus. Ten Thousand Maniacs played on campus. We had we had um, the Long Riders played on campus. Nice. We had uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs and Tracy Chapman together. Wow. And I got to, wow. to meet them. That was a good backstage meet. And then also, um, Carol King was um, uh, campaigning for Gary Hart in 1984. <laughs> Hilarious. And, and, she did, and she did like a really short, like she spoke, but she also played several songs. It was so cool meeting Carol King. She was amazing. She was and so nice to us. She was so really nice to like, you know, unlike Paul Young, every time you go away and love other common people. I told that story. I don't know if I told that with you on the call, Barbara. I think I said it to Shelly and Phil with Mike and the Mechanics, and we miss, we miss, uh, we screwed up because a Paul Young is part of Mike and the Mechanics, Mike Rutherford's band that also had Paul Carrick hmm. and Living Years and Silent mm-hmm. Running and all those songs. And so Paul Young was there as it, uh, doing his solo tour and had his crazy feathered hair mm-hmm. that, like, you know, he had some awesome hair for that time. Absolutely. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. A lot of moose, a lot of moose in that hair. Lots Ab- of moose. Yeah. Absolutely. But he was offended that we, cause the album cover for Mike and the Mechanics didn't have regular photos. Everybody's face was digitized mm-hmm. and it was very kind of, you, you really couldn't make out, you know, unless, I mean, you knew kind of what Mike Rutherford looked like because of Genesis, but right. still, you know, I had Paul Carrick cause of squeeze. But yeah, so uh, but yeah, he was very offended. No, sorry, wrong guy. Oh. And we're like, okay, sorry. But yeah, he was yeah. pissed. We're like, yeah, get over it. You know, you're talking yeah, to the common people that you supposedly love. What the hell? Yeah, you know? there was a great concert. Um, I think it might have been in '86. It was at Darien Lake, and it was Gene Loves Jezebel, Echo and the Bunnymen, and it was great. Like Love and, and New Order, Love and Rockets, cool. Yes. Wow. And New yes. Order, great shows. That's excellent. Yeah, that was a great one. Um, I also it was eighty seven. The Purple Rain tour. Um, um, nice. Some of, my, some of my roommates who were not involved in the radio station, who didn't really like the kind of music I liked, they had an extra ticket to see Prince, and so I just jumped in the car with them and went. And uh, it was a great show. You yeah, know, I wasn't mm-hmm. a fan at the time, but wow! And one of my um, one of the girls in in the dorm actually got on the Purple Rain video. In the audience. Wow. She was like 5'10. And at that time, I might have been 5'2. I don't think I worked that. <laughs> Do you guys know? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish the story, Shaw. I apologize. No, I just, I'm sure I was in the video too, but you couldn't see me because I was 5'2. Well, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. Um, but no, I, fortunately, actually. Okay. I don't know. Well, I just for the video's purposes. Yes. Right? No, you're a tough woman. Absolutely. I was going to say, um, oh, God, what was my story? Shit. Uh, oh, uh, do you guys know, these, aren't we? Do you guys know uh, this show that's been on Cinemax the last couple of years that the Beavis and Butthead creator made? It's called uh, Tales from the Tour Bus. Mike and Judge? it's Mike, Mike Judge. Yeah. No. It's, it's amazing. The first season is all country music. But even with country music, it's just like crazy – 
rock and roll level destruction and boozing sure. and crazy moments <laughs> with fan stories. So that's first season's all country bands. Second season is R and B and hip and hip hop. And um they have Bootsy Collins does an amazing show of mm-hmm. all of his memories and being with Funkadelic and everybody. And just, you know, I was with James Brown and I was completely out of my mind, uh, you know, at, on drugs during this show. And just crazy stories, great stories about James Brown over the years. But the two great ones are Prince and Rick James kind of had a war. And that was really funny to hear about. And then also um, they have Morris Day and the time. Uh, and and uh-huh. all their stories. And they went from being Prince's protégés to Prince getting really jealous after Jungle Love and then like uh-huh. their five seconds of like big fame. Yeah. And and it's Morris Day telling the stories. And it's incredible. Oh my God, just some of the crazy stories. So it was on Cinemax. If you have Cinemax and you have Cinemax on demand, they're in their archive. Tales from the Tour Bus, cool. so goddamn funny. Really, like I have to. The, the, I have to. I have to shift gears for a second. I want to ask sure. Glenn to talk a little bit about his contribution so far to heavy rotation because he did such an incredible mm-hmm. piece that I'm going to title "A Day in the Life of a DJ" because Glenn still owes me a title. <laughs> I had you come with a title too. Um, yeah. I, I feel like I feel I feel like giving you a title like um, uh, you know the Cowboy Junkies uh, first record. They have a song. Like Sunday morning, what Barbara? You're the trivia champion. Cowboy Junkies first record, uh, Sunday morning. I come on, John, help me out here. I'm trying to think too. I don't remember, so, but I, I feel yeah, like the title funny. should be like Tuesday morning, five five a.m. or something like that. I'll so, look it up while yeah, we're talking. Yeah. So the the <laughs> my, my, the story is basically I used to yeah. live. Uh, I got off campus as soon as I possibly could. And it had many advantages for being, you know, a 19, 20 year old uh, uh, student. Uh, and what, but like, right, kind of transferring from being a kid to being an adult, you know, having to live on your own and pay rent and, and, and just grow up really quick as opposed to living in a dorm room with an RA or what have you. Mm-hmm. The one disadvantage for a DJ is that I lived off campus. So if I had, as I did for a good portion of my sophomore, junior, and senior year, a, a 6 a.m. morning drive show, I had to get up at Jesus Christ o'clock <laughs> and, and get to the station. Because if you're a DJ, any any DJ worth her salt knows, you are on time. If mm. you if you are late for your shift or you are late enough to create an issue for someone who's been kicking it for four hours, you're the asshole. Mm-hmm. And I've always you're been worse than an asshole. Yeah. It's especially mm-hmm. like the overnight shift. Mm-hmm. You back someone yeah. up the overnight shift, like you get the yeah. socks in the pillowcase when you go to sleep. That's what you should get. Ooh. So, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to, I, I lived out by Cornell and it was a pretty far ways. Wow. And I had a morning routine. I would set my alarm for whatever, four 30 in the morning and shower and get dressed and I would go down route 13 and go to a Dunkin Donuts and grab exactly two donuts and a 32 ounce coffee about, about the size of a water tank on the outskirts of a small southern town. And yeah. you know, I, I'd strap that to the roof and drive up, up to campus and, and get up there early and 
and and and and the, and the the story that 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 I wrote is sort of like the steps, the stations of the DJ shift cross. Getting in, catching the vibe, checking in with all the legal stuff you had to do, which is is like that that that's like the grain. That's like the stuff that it's inside baseball, if you will. That's the stuff that only we know about if you've been on the air. And then your you know, your first song, and then just interacting with the people as they came through, and uh, how it 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 absolutely was for us who were on on radio, sui generis compared to anyone else going to school, who were also getting up for their eight o'clock classes. But here we were doing this very particular thing that required a. Uh, uh, a very particular kind of knowledge and approach and attitude. And so the story is, is, is really about getting through that first shift from beginning to end and then returning to sort of the normal world. Right, this, regular from this, from this From this kind of dream state that we were able to allow to be in for four hours a day, a couple times a week. And I, I was I was really glad that Shelley asked me to do something because I had a lot of fun writing it, and I'm 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 grateful that it's going to be in the book, or some of it will be. That's awesome. And if I can can I actually just plug the artist who actually read your piece and agreed to illustrate the mixing board, which um, that artist is anybody? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that as a trivia question to the three of you. Who do you think the artist is? Philip Bond. I was gonna say Philip Bond. <laughs> who is, is that? Right. Genius? of drawing spaceships and technical things he said he would happily draw it that's wonderful the mod the the make and model of the actual board the real the actual one and and we and And we we got that shit they did 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 you guys did your mixers did they have uh slides or did they have potentiometers pots well right here we go the pots there you go Glenn. answer the question I think at the very, very, very start of our time there, mine and Barbara's time, there were pots. And okay. then very, very quickly, there was a there was a new board that came in. Mm-hmm. That was slides. Slides, yeah. But, we but had to- you, you talk about completely elemental and basic. I mean, it really is like looking at a Model T compared oh, to- Oh, yeah. Model, yeah. yeah it's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Our, uh, our high school radio station, we had a lot of- uh, people who whose parents worked at WGN television and radio. So a lot of our equipment was old WGN equipment. Oh, and yeah. among the things we had was we had our, our, our mixer was absolutely an old pot one. And it, for people who don't know and watching the video, you, you would like fine tune a pot like a safe cracker and literally yeah. be like, yeah, there it is. And you following the VU meter and making sure that it's right and not, not bleeding into uh, the red and everything, but also um, we had our, our turntables were from either the forties or the fifties because they were gigantic, bigger than 12 inches for an album transcription size turntables. And I, and I'm sure they were used in the golden age of radio when syndicated shows would come via transcription discs. And I actually found at a thrift shop, a couple World War II transcription radio mm. shows, and the only place I could play them was at at the radio station. We were all freaking out about how cool it was. If you spin, were, if you spin a regular record backwards on one of those turntables, you can hear Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. 
Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, that's that's great. And believe me, Shell was talking about like having to go to her shift, you know, at two in the morning and crossing well, the quad in like zero degree weather mm -hmm. and everything. See, I was the I, I absolutely loved the overnight. Um, it must be said, writing that story was a blast because I always looked at the overnight as that point in time where you are mission control mm -hmm. of a spaceship. It was to me being there, it was cold as hell you can say outside. Fuck. <laughs> cold <laughs> AF outside. And you would go inside the station, you'd get there early, you know, around 12, 30-ish, quarter of one to pick out your albums. But it was you against the world, playing mm -hmm. the music, knowing that there might be four people listening. And often you would get somebody calling you on the listener line who you, you know, it, it was a big deal. Like if there was someone you liked and you'd say, hey, I'm on the overnight tonight, call me and make it <laughs> So it was always curious, like who would call me and like, would I play their song or not? And it would really depend on whether I thought they were really into me or if I thought they were really just into the music. So I was that kind of I didn't often play the music and that people wanted, but to me, there was nothing like the power and control and corruption of what you could do on that overnight shift and the satisfaction of walking mm. out while the sun would come up at six yeah. five in the morning and that sense of accomplishment and having that air check tape like bouncing in your in your bag i couldn't mm -hmm. wait to get back to the dorm barbara will recall because she would be fast asleep and i would come bursting in and i would put the i would put the tape in because I'd want to listen to it, I would never make it to the end of the first side. I'd be sound asleep before the end. But there was nothing like it in the entire world. It was like being alone with Joe Strummer, Robert Smith, Paul Weller on my shift, dancing with Susie from, you know, Susie Sue and, and Morrissey and just having the time of my life. So I did graduate from two to six to 10 to two. And then I eventually had the Friday night seven to 10, which was the party shift but yeah. best memories were the were the times i was on the overnight and especially when my dad came on parents weekend he came to the two to six and sat there with me and, and oh that's great and listener line and um that that's one of the highlights of my life knowing my dad was so cool and like you know he, he paid for my education and I, I, I'd like to just say thanks again, Dad, because he always says I talk <laughs> as much as my sister, which is true. But every penny that went into that forty grand plus wow. private college, he got his money's worth. Wow, man, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great story, Shelley. I think my college was it was like eight grand a year, so it was like yeah, like and actually I went a fifth year uh, because Whoa. I got I got a. Well, because I yeah I know because I got a I got a job at the radio at the easy listening station where I man the mirror rocked out. Um, I, I, I got that my my senior year, so I eased off on my schedule so that I could work the full time job. So nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. too much, very funny. So yeah, I was trying to think of how much my co college costs because God, my heart goes out to parents and the cost of college today. And it's, it's mm -hmm. really, they, they got to do something about that. They yeah. really do. It's and insane. I listen, Hey, I, and I get it. And I think institutions deserve the money that they need. 
to operate. And I think going away to college, as Glenn was describing too, is such an important life growing experience that we all understand. But um, yeah, it's tough. It really is tough. And I can appreciate, you know, and I'm glad that community colleges are, it's weird. They're the ones that uh, attendance is gaining because of the economic state and everything. And there, I have friends that teach at community college and it's very interesting to hear those kinds of reports. So bummer. I'm telling you, Uh, let's see. Oh, hey, I, I have a daughter in. Uh, Is that nice to her <laughs> You don't need to worry, Barbara. I, I have to say, <laughs> earlier, nobody com- I don't know if Barbara noticed, but Tony gets like top scores from me because he did say I was giving off some Debbie Harry vibes. So I just want to mm-hmm. salute him for that with an ode to the classic Debbie Harry shot saluting with the one with the Popeye mm-hmm. shirt. I think it was the sure. C. Seeger Popeye shirt. So Tony, and I'm going to consider yeah. you the winner of this competition. <laughs> I think that's absolutely wow. fair. You know, it's uh, Debbie Harry, uh, 30, 30 or 40, 40 years ago, 81 today, she uh, guest starred on The Muppet Show. Mm. Wow. Oh, that's I saw that on Twitter today. They had, yeah. they had screen caps of her on, was, on uh, with the Muppets, Muppets. Yeah, that was one of the best celebrity appearances on the Muppet show. And it's oh, gotta yeah. be said, I don't know about you guys, but when she, when, when Blondie introduced Rapture, like that mm-hmm. was a turning point for music for me. And mm-hmm. Barbara, I'm going to toss this one to you. Um, City Rhythms was a specialty show that we had. And wow. Talk mm-hmm. about innovators. You know, yeah. the station, our college was called this, uh, our station was called the station for innovation. And of course we loved all the MTV inspired new music. And I, I would, I, for one, only really listen to British bands and still probably listen to 98% British bands. But the Station for Innovation has to get credit for the specialty shows, including mm-hmm. City Rhythms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Barbara, I, uh, care, oh, please, yeah. You, you said something so great about City Rhythms recently, about how you, you were like, where was I on a Saturday? Uh, yeah. So C- City Rhythms like, was... Slept until two in the afternoon on Saturdays, Barbara. We were out at night dancing on the Friday night. We were, and I was probably really busy moping on Saturday afternoon. But like that was the, the such a great group of guys who did it, and uh, one of them, uh, Ray De Jesus, submitted uh, two playlists for you know the the stuff that we've done, and I was like, damn, this is such such um these playlists are amazing and it's it's what i listen it's a lot of what i listen to now um yeah and they're actually doing an interview in the book and we i have to give heather goldberg props she reached yes. out owens and daryl and ray and they're actually interviewing each other and sanford green for comic book fans out there i mean Anyone who's anyone knows Sanford Green. I've said this before. I'm sure he's going to be blushing. I'm going to say it again. But Sanford just picked up the Best Artist Ringo Award this summer. And Bitterroot mm-hmm. picked up the Eisner for Best Continuing Series. I'm the editor on the book. And I'm bragging about them because they're an incredible team. But Sanford is one of the most amazing artists working today. Not just Agreed. in comics. He is a visionary and he has agreed to do the spot illustration because when he was in ninth grade, he wanted to be a DJ. 
because of the bands mm -hmm. that were played on a show like City Rhythms. So sure. it's incredible to get him to contribute. So um, all the comics people listening, I'm certain that they're Sanford Green fans. So we are so lucky to get, you know, Sanford to contribute to this. And so also so lucky to get the City Rhythms crew back together for a short mm -hmm. interview in heavy rotation. That's great. That's outstanding. No, Sanford's a regular guest here a lot over the years and uh, certainly have been uh, talking about Bitterroot, but when he and David were doing uh, Power Man and Iron Fist and oh, lots yeah. of other Sanford stuff. No, he's great. And uh, mentioning urban shows, uh, we would do, we did um, rock Monday through Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday were given over to the urban format. And yeah, we were, we were, you know, and again, I, I was a freshman in 83 and I went to school there until 88. And um, yeah, I mean, it was like when uh, Rapper's Delight and those songs were coming mm -hmm. out, it was really exciting to hear that stuff. And yeah, they, uh, no, we had, we had tremendous respect for the, for the urban guys because they were, and women, because they were just as into that stuff as we were into all, all, you know, alternative rock. And we, you know, with, so, with yeah, a, we, with, we loved them. With a lot more resistance from some people who just yes. didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, and that was, that was the great and, thing about Illinois state was that like, right. there was a significant urban community, uh, despite it being central Illinois. And it was great. And we really, we, uh, nice mood lighting, by the way. Well done. I'm disappearing into the background and I, the one comment my parents actually shared with me after they watched the other 50 shows I've done with John is that <laughs> they couldn't see me that well. And I'm like, trust me, you know, um, uh, you don't want me to have a bright light on at age. <clears throat> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> 29 <laughs> and a half. Exactly. Frankie say relax. I would have worn that shirt. Yeah. Frankie say relax. Nice to go. <laughs> who remembers who remembers the flip side to relax? That was their tribute to an older liver liver uh, Podland band. Not two tribes. No. 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 no oh. It was an old it was an old sixties song. Yeah, it was an old sixties song. It wasn't Well done. Yes, Glenn, you are correct. Wait, what was that? Barry Cross the Mersey by um, oh, it, it, it Gary, also, it, Gary and the Pacemakers. It Gary and the Pacemakers. I think they, I think they put it. Was it wasn't it on the on the debut album too? It was like that, and 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 Born to Run was on the debut album. And, oh, I didn't remember that. That's cool. One of my most favorite cover songs. In fact, I'm not a huge Springsteen fan, so hmm. I know you're going to hurl swords, flaming swords, at me. Well, Do you remember I what I said earlier? earlier? But I will tell you that my two favorite covers are Born to Run by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And John knows from last week, he found out this little truth about me. My other favorite cover in all the land is David Bowie's cover, It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City, mm. which is a Bruce Springsteen song. Yep. Yeah. So yep. cool. just thought it was worth putting it out there. No, I'm yeah, with you. Now, That's now cool. Brother Mike is going to quit the book. <laughs> no. Sorry it's too that. late, right? Oh, it is too late. He's drawn yeah. in a little bit too much, I think. For the contract was in blood. We yeah. we mentioned Sanford, and I'm sorry I don't have the graphics up. I uh, I keep like pulling them out for other shows and stuff. But uh, you've also you've got some other all star comic artists that are doing stuff. So we mentioned Philip, and we mentioned uh -huh. Sanford. Yes, we have, we have, of course, the great Mike Allred, who, you know, Heather wrote a beautiful piece about 
what happened the day and the night of the Challenger disaster. And it's probably the most somber piece, but it's the most necessary piece, in my opinion, as the curator, editor of the book. It's phenomenal. And she writes about how that evening when she had her, I think it was a 10 to 2 shift or possibly an overnight, she played Starman. And I couldn't think, there there wasn't anyone in comics or or on earth who I thought could read Heather's prose and draw an appropriate piece and, it, and it's and it's sort of really beautiful you know heather heather I, I i yield to no one in my admiration for her and her 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 smarts mm-hmm. and her talent and her love of mu- love and knowledge of music but a lot of djs would have played space oddity that's what <laughs> i was expecting to hear yeah and she went deeper yeah. and that's mm-hmm. I think, very indicative of her character mm-hmm. that's and, cool. and, and her understanding of, of how to capture something that's not how everybody else would do it it's really you, beautiful it, it's you, you know it, it didn't it didn't make it to american tv they it's uh but and i don't know if any public television stations picked it up but you know there was first the series life on mars that was amazing on oh, british yeah. tv and it, and it focused on 1973. And then they had a, a, a subsequent sequel series, Ashes to Ashes. Phenomenal. And it was all music from 1981. And that's what I loved about both shows was, yeah. the you know, wall to wall. And that's what I love about British television. They could, they could do it easier than American yeah. television. And, it, and just wall to wall hits from 81 in the Ashes to Ashes, which is great. If you guys haven't seen it, anyone listening or Barbara and Glenn... You must see these two shows. I've seen them a few times. And Philip Lannister plays sort of like the abrasive cop in in the first series, Life on Mars. Both, actually. Both series. In both series. Um, his name is is Gene, but they call him the Gene Genie. And he yes. is so <laughs> I've fallen in love with him many times. So and funny. Philip should be afraid. Because <laughs> he's another six foot something British guy, and he doesn't critique my art direction. So, Philip, if you're listening, if I ever leave you, you might want to call Philip Glenister's wife because that's where I might. <laughs> he's great on the show, and it's so it's and it's John like a, John. The, the, oh, John Sim, yeah, who's the star of Life on Mars? Absolutely, and the first yeah. show is very much a parody of. Uh, this great show called The Sweeney that's either on Acorn or BritBox, and you can see old it's episodes. Also amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, oh, it's uh, yeah, amazing stuff. So yeah, and I and I really loved Ashes to Ashes, uh, the sequel oh, yeah, show. Brilliant. Yep. And so that was I even bought Keely Hawes, who is since that love time Keely has Hawes. really oh. been um, become a real superstar talent. Yeah, I love that that show. Yeah, did you see It's a Sin? She was just in that, but she was also in The Bodyguard, I believe. Yes, yes, she's the she's the politician in The Bodyguard, but she's in the bank job. She's Jason Statham's wife in the bank job, but she, I love uh, MI5, as it's called here yeah. in the States, but it's Spooks, of course, in, in England, and uh, The Secret Agent Show, and then also um, she's on a show that's running all over public television called The Durrells in Corfu, and it's about a 1930s British uh, family that relocates to Greece. And being Greek, I've told my family about it. They love it. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, you know, and it's fish out of water, very funny stuff. Uh, but she's great. No, I love Keely Hawes. She's incredible. I, I have to jump in because I wanted to make a point of announcing a really special contributor, an artist who I think 
everybody in comics knows and loves because she's just the best. She was my first friend in comics, Jill Thompson. She's illustrated the Sandman hmm. for years and years. Wow. And she is the superstar. I mean, Eisner winner of best painter in comics, I think 15 years, like something crazy like that. She's got like a wall of Eisners, yeah. So talented. And she is full stop. One of my favorite people in the whole world. She's like the sister. I She's like my second sister. I do have a sister who's nothing like me. Jill is the sister who is much more like me. It's so cool. <laughs> she's illustrating a piece in the book. First of all, she backed the book, which I was like, oh, she backed the book for like, great. she put in like a hundred some dollars. I'm like, what? That's she's awesome. also going to be doing a beautiful a piece in the book. So she's another great artist who's come on board. God, there's so many. We have Kitty Curran, who is a terrific artist I just met from working on Insider Art. She's a, a British artist who actually now married an American and lives in Chicago. So I love when oh my God. she happens to be illustrating Jeff Emerson's story. I'm going to mention this briefly because he may or may not have been one of those people who used to call me on the listener line in the middle of the night. And in my story, Joe Strummer tells me not to play his song. So we'll let you guys <laughs> But Jeff Emerson was invited because he was a communications major, but he okay. didn't have the luxury um, and the honor of being a DJ. He was a news guy. He was a news reader. So again, to get the point of view of one other side of the equation, he, he actually mm -hmm. was Brother Mike's news reader, I think for a year. And he wow. tells a great story about what happened when he was going, he, was, he showed up late to a shift. He dropped his Eric check tape, tape outside in the snow. He gets yelled at by the news director, who was a wonderful friend to all of us, Carrie Lazar, who, mm -hmm. who we, we, we dedicate this book to Carrie and a few other of our friends from college who passed away, sadly. But Jeff shows up late to, to do the news, only to find that no one is allowed in the DJ booth because Brother Mike is on air and his girlfriend dumped him. And he's playing absolute beginners over and over again. Again. Oh my God! And he wasn't fired. But if I did that, I would have been fired. So that tells you everything you need to know about me, about Brother Mike and Jeff Emerson. And I will say no more. That's hilarious! <laughs> oh my God! A um, couple of observations mentioning Jill Thompson. As Stephen points out, Alex Ross used her likeness for the character Dula Dent, Kingdom Come. Absolutely. And then also he says, uh, whenever I look at the cover to Starman. Stars My Destination trade cover. I hear Ziggy uh, Starman's uh, song. That, that, yeah, Ziggy's yeah. Starman playing in my head. Yes, that's a yeah. comic. Stars My Destination, yes. Yeah. And uh, and Henry pays me a nice compliment. Thank you, Henry. He likes my show. Henry's a cat? Apparently. So here's an interesting thing. Between Glenn's household and my household, there are seven cats. Wow. Mm -hmm. My goodness. And I'm allergic. Yeah, my claim yeah I am to too to certain cats. I, I, I'm allergic to everything. And my claim to fame in college was that I, for about maybe three quarters of my time at Ithaca College, I was covered in eczema from my chin to my toes. Oh. And I'll be, I'll be sharing mm -hmm. those stories in something I call the turtleneck diaries at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> I will come back on your show and talk about the turtleneck diaries. But of course you will. We, we passed will. around tw a 20 questions document. And I have to give props to one of our roommates, Michelle, 
who was also a DJ um, at the station. And I asked everybody to just put in like eight words or less, like when you see someone's name, lightning round, what's the first thing you think of? And she said, for me, she said, small and itchy. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, it was a, it's been a, it was a pleasure sharing a, a studio partner with you for a whole year in college. But yeah, thank you very much for reminding me about my years as the eczema princess. Awesome. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, really. What do you I'm say? Still allergic. I'm still allergic to everything. It's why I have an eye infection. We, we do not have pets because everyone in our house is allergic to every type of dander, fur, you name it. Goldfish Sir? food. But if I would feed a goldfish, goldfish I would break out on my fingers. Oh my God. Wow. Maybe I should have had these gloves. Yeah, really? I'm sorry, buddy. Anyway. Jesus. That's terrible. But <laughs> That's yeah, there's nothing else to say about that. that yeah, really. We all, feel, we all feel bad about you and everything. That's, I'm just a, looking, that's really sad. I'm just looking for pity because I lost the competition. I'm just looking for people to pity me. I played. Yeah, man, Barbara, like, well done. Grant, as I, as I uh, called her, our returning <laughs> champion. So there you go. The once and forever. She's the brainiac. And I've got, and I've got the mood lighting. People, people would come to our apartment because she was the brains and I had, and I controlled the mood lighting and had the record <laughs> collection. How about that? Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Totally nice. fair. Very nice. I was trying to think of other like movies that were so tied to eighties music. And I remember uh, Mike's murder was a cool black yeah, and white indie movie. Uh, Joe Jackson, Joe Jackson, Joe Jackson yeah. the soundtrack of that. Repo yeah. Man, I think is one sure. of the best. Yeah. Oh Best soundtracks. was one of my favorite movies. That sort of defined me. I, I wanted to move. I remember seeing that movie on Night Flight and just wanting to move to New York and be New Wave. And I wanted white hair so badly. And every time I tried to triple process it with Manic Panic, <laughs> it was great. And I had to get. I had to turn fifty years old <laughs> to finally get the color of my dreams. So. Is, you know what they say about getting older don't fear it look what happens sometimes it's for the best oh absolutely yeah i you know i i'm cool with my age it's it's fine i don't care what's the alternative right exactly, exactly. so why make yourself sad no just to, and yeah. especially like 50 was weird i won't deny that like turning 50 was like i don't know and then uh you know you wake up the next day and it's like you're still you you're fine yeah it's like, yeah all right so there you go. 50 was fine. 51 was like, mm. 52 was like, oh, fuck. That's the woman who ran yeah. up the marathon. Glenn, says the woman who half. ran Come on. I ran a half marathons the year I turned 50. And I have not, uh, that's impressive. gone downhill. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Well, you know. Come on. Well, guys, honestly, uh, we've, we've, we've uh, done a good uh, rant here, but let's wrap up because. Um, we want people to go and get the book. Yes, um, they only have like they only have like about you know less day than and change hours, right? Less than how many hours? Well, the campaign officially ends at six a.m. on the twenty fourth. Okay. L.A. time. So basically, if I were you, people, and you're listening, and you really want a piece of this incredible history that was college radio. I would say go to Kickstarter right now because we are really only funding for the next like 24 hours. There's a link if you go to kickstarter.com 
forward slash projects forward slash SX bond forward slash heavy dash rotation. You can join our coterie of amazing DJ writers, all-star artists, and also John, who will have his comic mm -hmm. book debut. Is this a comic book debut for you, John, as a writer? I have to say no, because Kyle Higgins had me write an essay in his book with Rod Rice called Cowl. Mm. Nice. So I have, you know, and, and Brian Bendis actually had his artist draw me in several issues of Ultimate Spider-Man. I was Peter Parker's oh, wow. uh, principal. I have got to see that. The next time I'm on your show for the Turtleneck Diaries, will you please bring up that graphic? Oh God, I, I, I'll, 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 te well, I'll text you in the meantime. Absolutely, and Brian show you. Bendis is Brian Bendis is so cool, and I love the fact that like he's a fan of like so many different types of comics. Um, <laughs> Steven's my new best friend. Tony and I. Might have to go out there sometime. Thank you. There you go. So yeah, and if you and really, I I mean, I'm glad Shell gave the full URL. But if you Google Kickstarter and Heavy Rotation or Kickstarter and Shelly Bond, you will see Heavy Rotation. That's the title. And um, I'm sorry, I thought I put here it is. I brought I, I did put it in graphic. There we go. Nice with the cover illustration by the infamous Philip Bond. Philip Bond. Pretty cool. Absolutely. So yeah, um, check it out. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, if you go to the page, you're, you're going to be very satisfied with the preview art. And uh, I know everyone's got really cool stories. And obviously if you hung with this conversation, then uh, you're into this kind of story. And I'm sure all of you, many of you might've also had college radio experiences. And as we said on the previous show, that was like, you know, the attempt to sound cool, but unfortunately <laughs> much like saying, I used to sell Victrolas in the twenties. <laughs> Doesn't really have the cachet so that it, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I was the program director of my 80s college radio station and I watched them leave. Put your glasses down when you say that. Well, I got to, I got to read my, I got to read the comments. That's why I was, uh, you know, I, this is uh, for driving. So sometimes, sometimes glasses, sometimes not. So there you go. Listen, thank you again, John. You are. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Radio and the musical knowledge you have is boundless. And I knew you and Glenn were going to like bond over things like Marillion and other stuff like sports. That I, I, I was going to, I said, I should have done a drinking game for Barbara and I that anytime a sports team came up, it could have been a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> But no, nice meeting you, Glenn. Absolutely. Barbara, great to see you again. Great seeing you. Thank and, you. And Shell, well done as always. And uh, yeah, happy to happy to promote the uh, the efforts of the off-register uh, uh, publishing arm. You know that. And, and yeah. let me just say thank you to everyone that's contributed so far, all the DJs from the past and a lot of the other people that um, we've brought in from artists like Anna Pachalski, who is amazing. And she did Barbara's piece the game theory mm -hmm. piece when oh, I sent it to Barbara, I honestly beautiful. thought she fainted. Mm -hmm. I thought Barbara, I could hear Barbara fainting across mm -hmm. the country. Yeah. That's, I was like, Oh, that's the me. I will, I've, I've always wanted to be. Yep. And, yeah. and <laughs> thank you to everyone contributing. Thank you to the backers who supported us so far. We are so close to hitting 15 K once we that's hit 15 K we are going to get these really cool, like field note size, three, 3.5 by 5.5 notebooks 
with such cool illustrations by like a top designer in comics. So help us to get over that hump of 15 K. I think we need like maybe $1,400. So we've got, we've got backer levels from a dollar all the way up through to $200 where you can get yourself drawn in the comic as a crazy eighties college student. And uh, I might even have Glenn drawn into that scene and he could be wearing his Marillion shirt. Nice. Which I'm sure he would mm-hmm. be, want to be sporting in a comic book based. Was Kaylee their biggest hit, Marillion? Um, here certainly. Okay. Um, definitely. I mean, it was their only hit here, and that was yeah. sort of a, a minor hit. Although every young, every every girl who's somewhere around the age of thirty, I want to say thirty-three to thirty-six is probably named after that song if she's named Kaylee. That's hilarious. You're probably yeah. right. That's funny. I, my, my, my college girlfriend that taught deaf children, um, her, her, uh, her sister's name was Aubrey from bread. Mm, Aubrey okay. was her name. And I was like, Oh, what a song. What a beautiful song. Very cool. Anyway. Well, thank you again, John. And thank <laughs> you to all the viewers. We've had such a blast. If my dad is out there, thank you, dad, again, for the great education. And it was fun spending your money. And everybody, <laughs> still funding on Kickstarter. Join us. We're having an absolute blast. And Absolutely, yes. Indeed. No, thank you, everybody. And, yes, uh, check out Heavy Rotation at Kickstarter and uh, support uh, this great compendium by these uh, very fun people. There you go. Shelley Bond, Glenn Roucher, and Barbara Baker. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. If you watched it last night on uh, Word Balloon Live, our uh, YouTube uh, show, uh, it was great, and I uh, got a few things scheduled for this week, hopefully talking to Jason Aaron on Wednesday on Word Balloon Live, and uh, I'm also releasing today the audio of my talk with Brian Azzarello, because on Friday, not on the YouTube, not on Word Balloon's YouTube channel, but uh, we will be, uh, Brian and I will be talking to uh, a uh, Cleveland library and a uh, public library where we're talking to kids and uh, Brian and I are doing a fun uh, discussion about Brian's career and answering any questions that the kids have about comics. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. They're doing a little Cleveland uh, Public Library Comic Con, and uh, Brian asked me to moderate for him. I'm always happy to help Brian out. And uh, Brian and I last week had a really great conversation, and I love talking to Brian. And uh, I miss him because uh, even though we're in the same city, obviously with COVID, we haven't seen each other. So it was great getting on video last week, and now I'll present the audio today. So look for that later today on Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners and their patronage through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. I hope you consider subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. I'm doing my best to present some incredible uh, conversations with uh, creators of pop culture, whether it's from comics or television or film. I do my best to give you uh, the best coverage and in-depth interviews here at Word Balloon every month. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners, via patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners and their patronage through Patreon, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. I hope you consider subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. I'm doing my best to present some incredible uh, conversations with uh, creators of pop culture whether it's from comics or television or film. I do my best to give you uh, the best coverage and in-depth interviews here at Word Balloon every month. Thank you for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners, via patreon.com slash Word Balloon. 
Word Balloon is brought to you by Aftershock Comics, a proud sponsor of Word Balloon for a few years now. Love talking to the creators from Aftershock Comics because they are bending genres with exciting stories, great art, and fantastic writing. Definitely books that you won't want to miss. Things like Artemis and the Assassin from my buddy Stephanie Phillips and Megan Hetrick. Fantastic time travel story, great adventure, unbelievable stuff with a slant on history. You can also get Cullen Bunn's horror anthology, All My Little Demons, a fantastic omnibus that features the Brothers Dracul, Dark Ark, After the Flood, Knight's Temporal, Unholy Grave, the Witchhammer original graphic novel, and two stories from the Shock anthologies. Great stuff from Cullen Bunn. And coming at the end of February, it's Disaster Incorporated, the complete series from Joe Harris and Sebastian Perez. Really great stuff from Aftershock, all worthy of your attention. Do me a favor, go to their website. You'll find full story descriptions, preview pages of art, and the diamond codes on how to order these books through your local shop at AftershockComics.com. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2021. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy.